Would you please open your Bibles to Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. That's where we will be starting, but that is not the only place we will be, uh, as we're going to be walking all throughout uh, the Pauline epistles this morning, looking at some things that I think that the Lord wants us to hear this morning uh, at the beginning of a new year, uh, the beginning of a new year that uh, has particularly started off hard already for ECC. Uh, as we've lost a dear brother. Um, but I think we'll find today that God is, God is sufficient for all things, isn't he? He is sufficient. So would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Galatians chapter 6, 9 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, 9 through 10. Hear this word of God that is for us today, that is to feed us, to nourish us, by the authority of the living word, Jesus himself. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Father God, helper of the weak and the afflicted, lead us now by your spirit. Open our ears and hearts to hear what your spirit says to ECC and to each of us individually. Dislodge us, dislodge us from our habits and our patterns that, that keep us from gazing upon the glory and the supremacy of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, and whose name is a strong refuge. Amen. Amen. So, I don't know about you, but... Um, my heart has been heavy the past days since I learned first about Rick moving to hospice and then immediately dying afterward. Uh, this sober news, in some ways, is, uh, is news that we need to hear at the beginning of a year. Uh, as we walk into the beginning of a year, we often kind of walk in with these, almost these giddy expectations of everything's going to be different, and we're just going to, we're going to lose 100 pounds, we're going to change the way we eat, we're going to do all these different things, we're going to start exercising, and you know, I'm, I'm committed to bench pressing 500 pounds this year. Uh, and, <laughs> and yet when we think about just what's happened in the last 48 hours in our body, it's, it's a reminder of, of what's really important in the new year. It's a reminder of what, what really matters about us as a, as a people and us as individuals. Uh, in, the, in the last five months or so of 2020, I repeatedly have been reading through the Pauline epistles, just trying to absorb Paul and understand how he how he thinks, and just wanting to understand and submit to his writings. Uh, and I was struck by how 
Paul really gets at and defines what's important about us and important about people. Listen to how he identifies different people in his letters. Here's just a sampling. 1 Corinthians 4.17. I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Then in Colossians, three times here, Colossians 1 verse 7 first. Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Colossians 4 7. Tychicus. Tychicus is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Colossians 4 9. Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. And then Ephesians 6.21, Tychicus again is mentioned. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. You know, I was thinking, wondering how, how would Tychicus lions sound? I, I don't think that would have gone over. Uh, faithful minister. There, there's this pattern throughout Scripture, the way that people are identified. It continues even outside of Paul. In 1 Peter 5.12, we have Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him. And then even in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, verse 13, this is a section written to the church in Pergamum. The Spirit of Christ says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you. So the scriptures show us, I think, that, that only one thing matters here in 2021. And it's not COVID. It's, it's not the Georgia runoff election this week. It's not getting an advanced degree to put on your wall or getting a, a promotion at work. In these sober days that we live in, what matters most to to guys like Paul is being faithful, being faithful to God and Christ. And so for the remainder of our time today, we're going to walk through mostly Paul's writings and look at three areas in which Paul emphasizes in his letters for us to be faithful in. So I'm not going to be exegeting just a, a, a... single text. We're just going to be kind of doing more of a survey, looking at how Paul thinks about faithfulness in three particular areas I want to draw out here for this new year. So Paul's first emphasis can be seen here in Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. Let me remind you of it. He says in 9, and let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, he he exhorts us to be faithful in doing ordinary good, to be ordinary, to to walk in goodness toward others. He repeats this again, by the way, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, where he says, as for you, brothers, do not grow Weary in doing good. Are you weary? 
Are you wary of doing good this past year? Perhaps you feel wary from, from all the sad news around us, or wary from your own sufferings, wary from, from grief. Maybe you're wary from, from the toil and labor of life. And in the face of weariness, Paul exhorts us to keep on doing good, ordinary good around to those who are around us. And he says this is what reaps great fruit in our lives and in the lives around us. As Paul goes on, he says, for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up doing good in the midst of weariness. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor of being a mom is not in vain. Your labor of being a dad is not in vain. Your labor of caring for someone is not in vain. Your labor at work trying to do the right thing, Paul says, is not in vain. The ordinary things are what matter. You know, um, young people particularly, but, but everyone here, you're, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to trade doing ordinary good for self-exalting, self-promoting, attention, kind of grabbing success. The world is shouting at you. I'm sure you already hear it. The world is shouting at you, be successful. Move up the ladder so that, that you can get what you want. Get into the best, greatest school. Ambition is, is lauded in the public square, even in the evangelical public square. But Paul shows us, or rather God shows us, that, that ambition is not what he's after in us. God has called us, rather, to the vocation of faithfully doing good. Faithfully doing good. And many times that goes unrecognized, doesn't it? But that's what Paul lauds in the scriptures. Christianity is, is less about extraordinary achievements and success and more about ordinarily, ordinary daily faithfulness of doing good to your family, to your colleagues, to your neighbors, and even to your enemies. The true God calls us to faithfulness right where he has placed you. Right where he's placed you is where God wants you to be. And to walk in faithfulness, doing ordinary good. He calls us to keep our eyes fixed on doing good and not on weariness. Remember that God doesn't build the church simply with Peter's and Paul's. He works through people like Epaphras and Antipas, whose 
whose names are about the only thing we even know about them, except that they were faithful. They were faithful. So the Apostle Paul not only taught the church how to be faithful in doing good, but there's a second theme that I see rising up in Paul's writings, and it's this. Be faithful in doing courageous, hard things. Be faithful in doing courageous, hard things. This, this theme is all over Paul's writings and speeches, but one passage in particular that has, has grabbed me over the last 20 years or more is Acts chapter 20. Here in Acts chapter 20, you have this scene in which Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem. And he has, the, the elders are even kind of been pleading with him not to do this, not to go, and he gives kind of his, his goodbyes to them. And then he says in Acts 20, verse 22, he begins and says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Imagine that. Paul is heading to Jerusalem, and he knows affliction awaits him. Yet he goes. He goes. He steers steers into the risk and, and the difficulties awaiting him, and he goes. Why? This is crazy talk. This is crazy talk here. And in verse 24, he explains why. He says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's what drove him. What what singular focus that Paul had on his work in the gospel. And we see this this faithfulness in doing courageous, hard things all over his writings. Listen to just this sampling, just a, a little tiny sampling of how he thinks about kind of his identity in the faithful Christian life. So a lot of these you know very well, Galatians 2.20, right? I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or again in Galatians, a few verses after our, our first text today, in verse 14, he just got done sharing a little bit about how some people avoid Uh, the hardships of following Jesus. And then he says in verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And then in verse 17, he says something that haunts me in my sleep and should haunt you. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 
for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Do you have that hanging up in your living room? For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 3, he says to the Thessalonians, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's coworker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith so that no one be moved by these afflictions that they're going through. He says, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. That's not how you get a job, to tell people things like that. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were going, all going to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. What about Philippians? Another well-known text, Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Your manner of life, let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then he says, verse 28, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that from God. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you, it has has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Or what about... 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Should I, should I go on? Paul, Paul wants a a Christianity that bears the marks of Jesus on our bodies. For sure, this this will drive some away. It's not visitor-friendly, is it? But it is the only kind of Christianity, the only kind of Christianity that will last and survive You know, the the sands of culture are changing. It's going to get harder, I'm sorry to say. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that. And this is where we need, in 2021, to to look to the New Testament church and rediscover a, a vision of a people who do courageous, hard things because they are following a crucified Nazarene who happened to rise from the dead. Amen? Now, I believe that, that, that God might be raising up in this very room followers of Jesus to faithfully do the hardest things. Because I've already seen many of you doing that. 
He's going to call some of you to quit your jobs and, and to bring the gospel to places like Afghanistan, where, where, they might, where they might get killed for loving Jesus more than their own life. He's going to call some of you young people to embrace risk as you boast only in the cross of Christ. He's going to call some to stand up for righteousness and justice in the darkest corners of American commercialism. And he's going to call others to give up comfort and wealth to do what is right and to walk in integrity despite the cost. You know, something I keep thinking about with Rick Schantz is how he gave up so much to go into ministry. Ask Sharon if you haven't heard that story. (laughs) He's going to call some of us to faithfully serve the dying or faithfully serve those trapped by memory-robbing diseases. He's going to call some of you to be pastors and missionaries or plumbers or contractors who love Jesus more than making money. So I urge you to to implore the Holy Spirit right now, today, to show you what he might be calling you to be faithful to, even if it is wearying or, or scary. Remember the scriptures say in Galatians 6 that in due season you will reap a harvest for the kingdom of God. You will. You will. So be faithful in doing ordinary good to others. Be faithful in doing the courageous, hard things when it comes your way. And there's a third and and final theme. Paul's life and letters urge us to be faithful even unto death. Even unto death. And I planned this before I knew Rick Schatz dying. This is what God wants us to hear today. Look at how Paul describes his final days in in 2 Timothy 4, 6. Here's Here's how Paul is thinking about his final days. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Oh. Paul, Paul stares right at what few of us ever want to think about, dying. Yeah, he shows us that the, that the faithful Christian is one who faithfully faces his or her own death. Listen to how he talks about this elsewhere. 
Again, a brief survey, Philippians 1, 20 through 23, that many of you know. He says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, yet to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Romans 14.8, very different context, but he says here, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And yet if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or, or whether we die, we are the Lord's says. This is why later in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, the Spirit of Christ says to his church, he says, be faithful unto death. Go look at it. Revelation 2.10, be faithful unto death. Or uh, I should read this, Revelation 12.11, just a little bit, a few chapters later. And they, speaking about uh, the followers of Jesus, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb, conquering um, Michael and the angels have conquered and the the saints have conquered. It says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. (laughs) ECC has been richly blessed over the years with men and women who love not their lives even unto death, haven't we? God intends for these examples, brothers and sisters, to inspire us and to encourage us onward. It's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And behind that, I hear all our brothers and sisters at ECC saying, follow me as I follow Christ into into death. These ECC saints were faithful until their last breath. I think of, of, again, Rick Schatz. There's a faithful man. There's a man who loved God more than his life. He, He literally... He literally exhausted his body to his final days serving Jesus, faithfully doing good to others, faithfully doing courageous, hard things for the kingdom of of Christ. And and then there's, on the opposite extreme, there's there's, uh, Jonathan Borner, who died less than nine months ago or so. 16 years old. And as a 16-year-old, the, the Spirit of God filled him with, with such courage and faithfulness to look at death. And these were almost exact words that he's told me in the hospital. I have no fear. God will take care of me. There are saints who have gone before us. I could go on with many others like, Dave Tedford, I remember, and Bob Claude, Dan McCabe, Maury, Maury Lumens, Dennis Bender, and Dr. Bill, and most recently, Mark Barnhart. What a saint she was. 
We stand on the shoulders of, of giants who've taught us, even this weekend, have taught us how to, how to look at death and, and say with the prophets and Paul, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Now, there's a fascinating story at the, at the end of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, right at the end of his Gospel. And it's where Jesus is walking with Peter, and he begins to tell Peter how he is going to die. But then you get this parenthetical remark by John that we should pay close attention to. He says in verse 19, he says, This he said, that is Jesus, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. By what kind of death he was to glorify God. The, the clear implication is, the clear implication is that we can die in such a way as to glorify God. We can die in such a way as to glorify God. Young people, we... You need to ponder your death. We all need to ponder that here at the beginning of 2021. That's what Rick would tell us. That's what all those other brothers and sisters who've gone before us would tell us. And that's what Paul tells us in our grief, in our sorrow. Paul says, always rejoicing yet sorrowful. God is calling each of us this year to be faithful even unto death. And for some of us, that may indeed be this year. For others, it may be decades from now, but only a blink in the eyes of eternity. And and to die well one day, to die well one day, you need to work on knowing God today. Learn now to submit to Jesus and to grow in godliness so that one day you too will die well. That one day you too, your your last words in your mouth would be, Jesus is Lord. I I want the, the supremacy of God, the supremacy of Jesus and his victory over death etched into my heart and onto my eyelids so that, that when they close for the final time, that is all I see. So, so here at the beginning of 2021, the Holy Spirit is calling us through the scriptures to be faithful, to be faithful to doing good, even when you are weary, even when you're grieving. To be faithful to doing good even when you're weary, to be faithful to, to doing courageous hard things, and to be faithful even unto death. And this might seem like an overwhelming task for 2021, and it is. (laughs) But here's the good news, the good news for the followers of Jesus today. We can be faithful. We can be faithful because God has been faithful to us. You know, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, he says that, and this is often used as a benediction, 
He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is what drove Paul. This is what enabled him to be faithful. For God is faithful. He says again in in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, he says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And then he says to the Corinthian church in chapter 1, he says, you're not lacking in any gift. I love that. You're not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we look into 2021, remember that God is faithful, brother. Remember that God is faithful. He will lift every weary heart in this room. He will lift every weary hand in here to keep pressing on, to keep being faithful and doing good, being faithful and doing hard things, and being faithful and dying well. What hope there is in God's faithfulness toward us. This is why Paul exclaims finally here in, in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He exclaims, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We have a blood-bought hope from God. Let us pray that that his faithfulness would, would produce an ever-increasing faithfulness in us toward him this year. Let's pray. Though grieving, yet always rejoicing, Lord, we come before you. And we pray, Father, that you would prove your promises to be true, that Jesus is victorious over all things, including death, and he's victorious over our weary hands and hearts. Give to us a faithfulness that we don't have of ourselves. Feed us, O God, even with this this Lord's Supper that we're about to take. Feed us and nourish us and restore us to keep walking faithfully after you this year. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.